Well, finally, after more than two months without the greatest game, NRL has made a successful return to our TV screens. And boy, hasn't it made an impression around the world? Ratings have soared, superb footy played, and fans finally got their footy fix. Here's a look at what's happening on Inside the NRL. Parramatta proved they're no pushover. We speak to Eels half Dylan Brown. Plus the panel debate, who is the game's best winger of the modern era? And where will the 2020 grand final be played? NRL CEO Andrew Abdo joins us live. Well, footy is back and it was so enjoyable to watch all eight games over the round. More than 650 minutes. Jamie Soward, Michael Chamis, how good? So far, so good. Yeah, it's great to have the Rugby League back. I, I think the rule change has brought in a, a lot of exciting footy that we're going to see with the competition progressing further. I absolutely loved it. I definitely did want to hear your thoughts and you were straight into it. What about for you, Michael? What did you like out of the round? Uh, I like the gesture from the Penrith Panthers. They give up, they get 10 seats for the home game and they gave them up to the Newcastle Knights to give to the families of the Deb to watch their kids make their debut. I thought it was a great gesture from the Panthers and good to see uh, the Knights, uh, the young guys, rewarded. They've, they've been obviously producing a lot of young guys for many years and they're starting to see the, the benefits of that now. It only took one round to have plenty more headlines, the game that keeps on giving, that's for sure. Andrew Abdo, the CEO, coming up very shortly and, of course, Dylan Brown. But, Jens, I want to talk to you first about the Dragons. That's the big talking point. Um, my highlight was actually the Warriors, who beat the Dragons 18-0. Fantastic to see after the week they had and, and obviously when they were in isolation. Um, I felt like the reward was so much more deserving. Uh, two of their rookies standing up as well. One of my favourites, uh, Jermaine Fenua brown I loved seeing him score that try. He actually is a bit of a rap artist on the side. So, you know, bit of a bit of a favourite there. <laughs> um, but as for the Dragons, what is happening there? What is going wrong? Well, everything that could go wrong is going wrong. And, and time is running out for Paul McGregor. I, I'm not buying the whole, the, it's, you know, the roster's not good enough or you're looking into the roster. The roster's good enough. There's five origin players there, a handful of rep players. You, you go talk to the West Tigers about, or they'll take one origin player, let alone five. I, I'm, I just think that Paul McGregor, there's a board meeting on June 16. He's paid $750,000 a year, which I don't know why the Dragons would pay him that much when no one else wanted him at the time. He's got two weeks and even wins in these next two weeks. I don't know if, it, I think the damage is done. I think the Dragons have reached a point now they need to bite the bullet. They just have to weigh up. Is it worth paying for a coach, paying him out a million dollars if this season's over? But if they wait longer, they're not going to be able to build to 2021 because they're not going to be able to sign anyone with uncertainty around who the coach is going to be. I, I, I think the damage is done, Jamie. I think the ship sailed with Paul McGregor. Yeah, look, I think it's a, it's a tough week if you're a Dragons fan, especially those players. They'd be embarrassed by that performance on the weekend and that's taking nothing away from the Warriors. But you look at the Dragons team on the weekend, for me, they looked like they either weren't agreeing with the game plan or they didn't like the game plan. And, you know, when you, your coach comes out and says that he's got the squad that he wanted two years ago, that needs to produce results. And they haven't been able to do that. You look at their team makeup, they no one looks happy. There's guys playing out of position there, in my personal opinion. And, and that's all a product of what the coach has, has picked and what's told to do. So uh, the, the pressure's certainly on. I, I agree. I don't think the next two weeks changes anything because they play the Bulldogs and the Sharks. To, if you beat those two teams, it's not, you know, you're not pinning them up against on the wall and saying we're back. You know, that's that's the journey back. But I think the next two weeks, you know, it, the damage is already done. What, what are the Dragons waiting for? Uh, like, if Paul McGregor has reached his ceiling... Well, they haven't got an assistant coach that can take over. I understand, but if his ceiling has been reached at the Dragons, I don't see Paul McGregor winning a premiership with the Dragons. So what are they waiting for? They need to start building the future. If, if Paul McGregor is not a part of their plans, they need to do it now because... 
I, I know it's a million dollars. It's a lot of money to pay out a coach, but they're going to lose a lot more in disgruntled fans, cancelling memberships, not renewing memberships. They can't afford to go into 2021 with a, a fan base, a passionate fan base, as you very well know, disgruntled with the club. Gents, you're both talking about Paul McGregor and you're both suggesting that maybe he's the problem that needs fixing. He did speak after the 18-0 loss to the Warriors. Let's take a listen on what he had to say. Yeah, look, it's, it's been raised consistently. You know, I'm three games into a two-year contract. Um, I've got good staff. I've made a lot of changes. I've got good people around me. I've got a football team I believe in. We've just got to go out and play well. So to me, that's telling. I have a football team that I believe in. We just have to go out and play well. To me, it sounds like Paul McGregor, he, he's doubting the, whether the players believe in him. And I think it shows. You made the point that if they either don't believe in the game plan or they don't like it. Now, you've been in a situation where coaches have, you know, you were there with Steve Price, you, you were there with Anthony Griffin. When things start to go bad, what are the, what are the sure signs that the players are not, no longer singing from the same hymn sheet as the coach? Well, I got dropped both times. There was times I didn't agree with the game plan or didn't like the way the game was going. And, yeah, my form reflected that. So you're seeing guys there now that aren't performing up to their market value and aren't performing up to their team value. This is an experienced side that has a forward pack that's... Other teams would love the amount of rep players in that forward pack that the St George Warrior Dragons have, but it's just not gelling. And it's easier to replace a coach than it is to get rid of 10 players. Well, that's the point, isn't it? Because if they're going to move on the roster... And they're not, they're, they're not blameless in this. The Dragons players aren't playing up the school. Like Corey Norman, Ben Hunt, they are better footballers than what they are producing. But what are you going to do? Move on 10 players, wait three or four years to recover or bite the bullet and say, hey, you know what, it's not all your fault, but to move on in the best interest of the club, we need to bite the bullet and say, see you later. I want to ask you who takes on that coaching gig if they do get rid of Paul McGregor, but I'm not sure if you've thought of any, oh, look, any answers. Oh, look, there's some obvious ones. Craig Fitzgibbon and, and Trent Barrett have been thrown around, but I know J Jamie feels passionately about someone coming from, with, from outside the club into the Dragons and... Uh, changing things up. And who knows? Uh, Wayne Bennett's name has been tossed around. Who knows what happens at South Sydney and if the Dragons turn around and say, mate, he's three years, perhaps he, he's willing to walk away from South Sydney and let Jason Demetrio take over now. So, look, I think the Dragons, yeah, whoever coaches going forward it, is obviously a key point. But they just need to work out right now when they pull the trigger on more Paul, McGregor, Paul McGregor because it's costing them dearly. Yeah, for sure. I want to talk to you both about positional changes if you are getting rid of Mary. Where do you want to see the reshuffles, Jamie? Yeah, I want to see Ben Hunt at nine. I think, um, yeah, there was some calls for him to be pushed back to the bench. I don't think you get anything out of him going back to the bench because if the team's successful, then, yeah, you've lost him for the year. And if they're not successful, you're trying to tell him that he's not good enough one week, but he is the next. So put him in at nine where he's played for Australia and Queensland there. Put Cam McInnes, who's a fantastic leader and defended the house down, 75 tackles. But out of dummy half just doesn't have the spark as Ben Hunt would have. I'd have Adam Clune, who was in reserve grade competition last year, 25 tries, uh, try assists, 28 line break assists. He can come in and direct the traffic around. And then you have Corey Norman and Tristan Sale at the fullback. Zach Lomax was signed to be a fullback there. He's playing in the centres at the moment. But Tristan Saylor finished the year last year in first grade, missed the reserve grade grand, uh, semi-final because he was in their future plans, all of a sudden has a pre-season and is the number three fullback in the club. So I would have that. I'd move Tyson Frizzell back to the left-hand side where he's played, uh, right-hand side where he's played rep footy for New South Wales and Australia. Like there's, there's heaps of pieces you can move around within that squad to try and prod them to get them going. And I think the message to Ben Hunt is... You can go in at nine and have a real impact on the game and we don't give you a chance to go in and out of the game. You have to be in the game, controlling, in the middle, defensively he'll handle it, he'll run out of dummy half and he'll kick from dummy half and all that kind of stuff. So I think he'd be perfect at nine. How much pressure does this put on them going in against the Bulldogs on Monday? 
both teams have pressure. The Bulldogs were no better on the weekend. Both teams come into this uh, old rival clash with a lot of pressure on them, but the Dragons have more pressure because their coach is under the pump. Okay. Well, they, you, you've got to, like, they beat the Bulldogs, with all due respect to the Bulldogs, even if the Dragons beat the Bulldogs this week, they've won two of their last 15 games, and both of those games have been, been against the Gold Coast Titans. Like, they've scored more than 20 points five times in the last 21 games. It's, the ship sailed, Katie. I, I don't know how anything that happens in the next two weeks before this June 16 board meeting against the Bulldogs who haven't won a game and the Sharks who haven't won a game, I, I, don't, think, I don't see how that changes anything. Yeah, we'll move this conversation on. I want to know one quick question, though. Tyson Frizzell's obviously going to the Knights next year. Will he go early, do you think? Well, if he asked for a release, he could. I, the Knights would take him in a heartbeat, and, he, and he'd make that team, you know, a borderline top eight team into a potential top four team. Now, I don't think Tyson Frizzell has got it in him, though. I don't think that's his personality to walk out on the Dragons as much. If he, if he wanted to, he would have asked for a release in the preseason to go now because he signed early on. So... I don't think he'll go unless the Dragons see it's better for, for the club to let him go, pay him now, save some money in the cap. But that's not Tyson Frizzell to walk away from this. Uh, from well, well, yeah, While the sink is, sink is, ship is sinking, <laughs> I'll get there eventually. That's all right. That's he'll be on board. Yeah, OK. Well, we'll wait to see how that all plays out. Now, joining us live is our interim CEO, Andrew Abdo, on the line. I'm sure it was a weight off your shoulders after seeing the game kick off on Thursday night. Thanks for coming on Inside the NRL. No problem. Hi, Katie. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, it was it was a mixture of emotions leading into the round kicking off. I remember one Thursday morning, I had butterflies in my stomach, like being a kid again. A mixture of nerves, anxiety, um, and excitement. But uh, it was great to see some wonderful footy over the weekend. Andrew, it's been a bit of a baptism of fire for you the last few uh, few months in charge. How have you found it, and have you settled into the role now? <laughs> no, I wouldn't describe it as settling into the role. It certainly has been a baptism of fire. I mean, look, it, it's a it's a real privilege to work with um, to work in sport and to work with the people uh, that we have in rugby league uh, to do something uh, incredibly special. And we had that unifying goal of getting back on the field uh, on May 28, and um, we uh, saw unprecedented collaboration and teamwork. Uh, clubs, players, uh, our broadcast partners, sponsors, and you know, a small group of people here at the NRL. And uh, we to, to to sit back and see uh, a sense of normality return, and just just the lift that it's given everyone, uh, even some you know non-rugby league fans, has been a terrific uh, payback for the sport. So um, it's it's been incredibly. Uh, challenging, but equally, it's been really satisfying to see what we can do when we pull together, and um, just uh, how much excitement there is around the game at the moment. Now, never a dull moment in rugby league. New South Wales government pulling the pin on ANZ Stadium and, and the refurbishment there. Now, Peter Valentis has made no secret of his desire to, to upgrade the suburban grounds and to potentially have up to four new boutique 15, 20,000 seat stadiums. Why has the NRL's position changed? Because it wasn't long ago that the, uh, you know, the Todd, Brick, Todd Greenberg era that they were pushing for major stadiums to be upgraded. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, look, the situation changes all the time and the context is very different now. And so we obviously have a very deep partnership with the New South Wales government and we'll work with them um, through this change in strategy and think about uh, what the opportunity is for us. Uh, suburban, suburban grounds are important. Um, because obviously the tribalism of our game is uh, is what makes us special. But equally, you know, we have to think about our major events too. So it's important to find the balance. But be very respectful of the fact that 
the government is having to balance and trade off a number of competing investments and we'll continue to work with them as we've done uh, previously. Andrew, it leads me to my next question. Major events this year's grand final. Where will it be? SCG, ANZ? Can you give us an answer? Uh, no, well, no, I can't because uh, there's so many unknowns. Uh, I can tell you, though, Katie, we are working incredibly hard uh, behind the scenes on thinking about how we can phase crowds back in safely, um, getting fans closer to the live action. And where we play will be a factor of uh, obviously what stadium is available and uh, whether or not we can have crowds. But, um, you know, it's pretty exciting to think that uh, we've got another you know, 17 rounds of action before we even get into the final series. So a lot to a lot to play out before then. Um, and at this stage, uh, we haven't determined where we'll be playing our, our final series matches. The grand final all state of origin. Andrew, another major event during the NRL season has been Origin. There's talk it might be a standalone period next year. Is that something the NRL is considering that they may have a three-week gap and play those three games back to back to back? Well, it's... One thing that uh, one good opportunity this year is, of course, to to trial that. You know, it's been spoken about and debated about around uh, the, the the season structure and when we play the Premiership and the Origin. I mean, I I love the fact that Origin's integrated into into the Premiership because it is a long season and the drama and the excitement um, around who's who's in form pre-Origin and then obviously the spectacle of Origin and then the race to the finals. This year is an opportunity for us to see what it's like having an uninterrupted premiership and then see State of Origin at the end of the season. At this stage, of course, next year, hopefully, we're back to normal and uh, we're playing a standard season. But we'll have to, you have to be, you have to think differently, you have to be innovative and you have to be entrepreneurial um, in a crisis. And uh, we will certainly be looking at all our options. But at this stage, no plans to change the season structure for next year. Andrew, uh, in your previous role, you were leading the way in terms of trying to grow the game in the American market. You were looking at playing, opening the season in Los Angeles. You were looking at a, an Australia versus Tonga test match in, in America as well. How have you tried to utilise this period to try, the, try and grow the game overseas when there aren't any eyeballs on many other sports at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it's first and foremost, our, our focus has been here at home, but, you know, the, and our fans here um, in Australia in New Zealand and, and the, the Pacific region. But what that's really what's been driving us, that it's a byproduct and it's a bonus that, you know, we uh, have a, a larger global audience at the moment, but that's certainly not what, what our focus has been. Um, but how good is it? Because we know we've got a great sport. We know we've got a great entertainment um, product for fans. Uh, and now we've got an opportunity to showcase that and win over some new fans in new markets. So that's, that's a great opportunity. Um, playing matches overseas, that, that's different. And you need a long-term strategy for that. Um, and at the moment, our focus is in 2020, uh, the next 17 rounds, and making sure that we give our fans here in Australia um, you know, an exciting, unpredictable, uh, authentic competition. Um, and, uh, of course, thinking about playing matches overseas, that's we're always thinking about how to grow the game. But that's, uh, to be honest, that's not really at the forefront of the radar at the moment. Andrew, I know another focus has been the NRLW. What can you uh, tell us on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, our women's competition is incredibly important to us. Uh, it's, you know, and, and to see the growth in the women's game in the last couple of years has been terrific for rugby league. Um, we're pretty excited the fact that we've been able to announce uh, you know, our four state of origin games and women's standalone game um, in November will be uh, another um, blockbuster moment for us as a game. We're working behind the scenes on finalising what a 
Women's Premiership will look like for this year and hopefully we'll be able to make an announcement uh, very soon. Andrew, have you got that Peter Volandi's uh, poster up in your, in your <laughs> office yet? Have you, have you been able to get a signed edition? You know, Peter's been terrific. His, uh, his, his leadership, uh, t- to be honest, uh, you know, he set us the ambitious goal uh, of May 28, and he supported us all the way. And in in moments like this, uh, that type of uh, that type of leadership is invaluable. And uh, uh, as as a result of that, we've you know we've we are where we are. Uh, we owe a lot to Peter, the commission, and the support that they've given us. And um, and I'm sure that there'll be uh, plenty of uh, plenty more ambitious uh, targets to follow. Andrew, it's not just Peter Volandis, it's all the hardworking people behind the scenes, including yourself and the commission, Wayne Pierce, who led Project Apollo. So we do appreciate all your hard work and I think footy fans are just grateful to have the greatest game of all back. Well, big time. It's, uh, it's, it's such a privilege to, to see what a different sport can make in people's lives and uh, the players did a terrific job this weekend. But as you say, Katie, it's been a real team effort. A lot of people... I've made a lot of uh, big sacrifices to get us where we are at the moment. And um, well, now, now it's all about, you know, who's going to win the premiership. It's pretty exciting. You guys are doing a great job too. So thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> well, take that. Thank you. We appreciate <laughs> you coming on. <laughs> See you guys. See you, Andrew Abdo, the interim CEO there. Now, before we get into your power rankings, Jamie, I just want to touch on one of the the greatest games of the round. We did see the Penrith Panthers and the Newcastle Knights go head-to-head there. What was the most outstanding part for you? For me, Newcastle showed so much resilience. Yeah, you're right. Their resilience in defence and being able to deal with adversity, losing Mitchell Pearce early on, Connor Watson a couple of minutes later. You had three debutants really step up. And I spoke to Chris Randall today, and he was just... Yeah, over the moon that he'd made his debut. He couldn't believe that he was in a game so early and you know, making so many plays that kept them in the game. So um, Penrith for me, Chamis, uh, immature performance. You know, they, they were missing Nathan Cleary, but you know, I felt like they get the 14-0 and they put the cue in the rack. They didn't really have that killer mentality and it's probably something that they've lacked over the years. They haven't been able to get it right and they let Newcastle in. They, Newcastle probably should have won the game. Well, it shows you how far Newcastle have come as well, to be honest. Uh, yeah, we, we were speaking off air about they probably don't win this game. Like, well, they don't draw this game last year. They get spank, spanked mm-hmm. after the start they had. And for me, the other question is Ivan Cleary. He's been able to produce a lot of good young kids over the years, but they get to this point and he doesn't take the next step. This is his true test as a coach because you don't want to be a development coach for your whole career. Now, these kids, they're, they're on both teams, Tex Hoy, we had Stephen Crichton for the Panthers, we had Bradman Best, you yeah. know, Matt Burden. But so, these kids are going to be stars of the game. So both these teams, I expect in two or three years' time, these two teams to be challenging for premierships. And for Ivan Cleary as a coach, he probably has to take that next step because he hasn't been you know, able to take the teams to the next level just yet. Well, you think about the, the young guys, the Penrith Panthers have reached the week two of the finals, three out of the last five years, I think it is. So uh, you, you have a valid point there. But it's all about Newcastle. Adam O'Brien, amazing effort to be able to get them. And if they can continue to grow and be that resilient and build their defence, their attack will get better. You throw Pierce, you throw Ponger in there. I still think they need a 5'8". I'd love to see him try and get an experienced 5'8 that just can steer the ship if Pierce is having a rough afternoon. And unfortunately, they, they missed that yesterday. You sat here last week and I said to you, the Knights are a top four, top eight team, and yeah. you said they're not in the finals. <laughs> Does a performance like that change your mind? Um, I'd like to see him against a, a bigger, you know, 
like a ruthless team. You know, we the yardstick are Manly, Parramatta, Canberra, Melbourne. Like that's where you get your true test. Uh, Penrith yesterday, I think they were sort of that bottom half of the eight. But yeah, I think I'd like to see him against a bigger team. I know you're both a fan of Tex Hoy. He did speak to media this morning. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. Kalen returns next week. How would you feel if um, Adam came up to you and said, hey, mate, I want you to play in the front line, you know, at six this week? Fine with me. Get me in there. I'll do my job. You'd thrive on that opportunity. You seem pretty confident. Yeah, I'm pretty confident. I'm a confident kid, and I just want to be in that team now. I obviously got the taste last night, and obviously didn't get the win, so I want to get the win next time I play. There was even a position with Connor out to, to go into a utility role. Would that be something you'd jump at as well? 100%. I'll be looking to put my hand up in all positions. I'll play anywhere. <laughs> I love his attitude. Nothing fakes <laughs> him. Jamie, you said that the Knights need a six. He's put his hand up. Tex Hoy, number six. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think it's an option. Uh, the, the trouble that you have is you train with systems and players all off-season and whether they can throw him in there straight away after a team performance like that. But... I love the confidence on the kid. Um, yeah, he had a couple of chances there with goal kicks and then this play right here. That's just playing footy. Brabham Best, you know, he's a star as well. So they've got some young talent coming through Newcastle. I just think that you know, sometimes Chamis and Katie, you can have that young development that stagnates a little bit and you need those experienced guys to be able to come in and keep those standards up to be able to provide and drive that success. Yeah, absolutely. I hope they keep him long term because I know Kalen's going to be there in the number one jersey for a long time, but they need to find somewhere for this kid because he's, he's something special. Mm. All right. Well, time for your power rankings. Jamie, take it away. This week's Power Ranking saw the Newcastle Knights climb up a little bit after that amazing performance out there at Campbelltown. They were on limited troops and they were able to sneak away with a draw, so they just climb up a little bit. Another team that was outstanding on the weekend, Michael Chemers, the Manly Seagulls, the way they were able to get Tom Trebojevic into the game, absolutely outstanding. Yeah, I think Tom Trebojevic is probably the best player in the game right now. I know it's a big call, but I'll tell you what, I don't think there's a player, if he played in the centres... He'd be the best player in the game as a centre. He'd be the best winger in the comp, and he's also the best fullback in the comp. I know that's a big call to make, but James Tedesco, I, I think Tommy's got all the, the attributes uh, at the moment. I, th I think he's the best player in the game. I think James Tedesco's performance against the South Sydney Rabbitohs on Friday night still has him as the number one player in the game. The thing I liked about Tommy Turbo was his versatility, being able to pop up out the back, support the ball, be in the game the whole time. I tell you what, it puts the rest of the competition on notice. Another team that shot up the power rankings this week was the West Tigers. Not since Robbie Farah have they had a settled number nine, either combination or player. They finally get Harry Grant. What an inclusion. Yeah, and Harry Grant, outstanding, the impact he's had in just one game. I'll tell you what, West Tigers fans will be sitting back and hoping Cameron Smith plays on another year because if Cameron Smith plays on, I think you'll find there's a clause in Harry Grant's contract in that loan deal that he doesn't have to go back to, the, to Melbourne Storm at the end of the year. So the West Tigers, more than anyone, will be hoping Cameron Smith plays on another year. Yes, certainly. That's one to watch for the West Tigers. That's this week's Power Rankings. up to be the game of the round, the Parramatta Eels and the Manly Seagulls on Saturday night. To talk us through that match and preview it all is Eel himself, Dylan Brown. Thanks for coming on Inside the NRL. Thanks for having me. Now, how do you think you guys have matured as a team um, in sort of recent years compared to that 2018 side? Um, well, something that, uh, I can't remember who mentioned it, but someone said something about us not going for the big plays. Um, especially, you know, it's only round three, so 
just establishing what we do best, which is, you know, kicking and getting down and keeping them in their own end and doing the hard work. It's something we try to pride ourselves on um, these couple few games. So, yeah, we're going to set the standard and keep working off that. Dylan, expectation is growing out at Parramatta about what this team can achieve. Now, some coaches handle that differently. And I know South Sydney many years ago under Michael Maguire, he banned players from talking about premierships or certain things that were related to winning a comp. How are you guys handling it? And what's the message from Brad Arthur? Are you, are you talking about potentially winning a comp this year? Because the expectation is real, mate. Um, well, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely everywhere in the media. But, you know, at training, um, Brad actually told us today, he's like, and I know he's just had a good performance and what they do, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we've got Manly this weekend. They absolutely have the Bulldogs, so they're going to come out firing and that's something we need to focus on. So, yeah, it's just week to week, um, understanding that there's always things to work on and, yeah, just working on them each week. Dylan, you must be enjoying playing behind that big pack. They look really, really fit. Your involvement was up the other night. How good is it playing behind RCG and Junior Paulo? Yeah, so RCG, obviously, the big truck, he, he goes hard, he runs hard, and then there's Junior, who can almost take over as halfback. So to have, you know, both of them um, being so fit as well, um, as I was saying, like Nathan Brown, he still hasn't played yet. Um, he's also very fit, so, you know, I can't wait to have our full squad back, and, yeah, it'll just be, you know, so much more enjoyable for me and Mitch to play off. Dylan, obviously, we're going forward, your combination with Mitchell... How's that progressed, mate? Because last year, obviously, interrupted with injury. Have you developed over the off-season, and do you feel like you've found that balance now with, with Mitchell? Yeah, I think we uh, we get this question quite a lot. Um, we're both pretty easygoing in terms of, you know, knowing when to get the ball and if we want it, demanding it, and, you know, encouraging each other to um, do our own thing. So, uh, yeah, things like having Joey Johnson is definitely helping us. Um, but, yeah, we're just working on it each week, and, yeah, that preseason did help quite a lot. Dylan, what about uh, the one ref rule? How have you found that coming back after a big break? Um, I think there was, I don't notice it that much, but there's a few, there was like a few calls where um, they just had to make them straight away and they might not have been the, the best calls, but I'm not making any excuses or anything. I'm just saying, um, but yeah, was, the six again rule was probably more noticeable in terms of our first half and us being able to get you know on a good roll. And I was actually uh, at one point running out of moves to throw on because we had like 18 tackles in a row or something so but yeah no it does help Dylan is that part of the adjustment with the new rules that you guys can look to play some second phase because you know you have scripted plays that you want to be able to go through but I thought for periods of time there where you dominated it was actually your second phase that got you and Mitchell and Clint Gutherson into the game yeah I think that's where we I think most playmakers will enjoy is that second phase um, but yeah coming as I said I was running out of moves and like freaking out a bit so we actually worked on that today again is getting when you realize you got that, that six again you sort of got to break it down and restart and understand that you know you got to use those tackles um valuably. Dylan this week with Manly how, how do you stop Tom Probojevich have you already started speaking about him uh, has Brad addressed how you try and minimize his impact on the game? Um, no we haven't spoken about him yet no doubt he'll come into the, the picture when we talk about our game plan, but uh, at the start of the week we try to fix on ourselves and fix up things that uh, went wrong in the Broncos game. So, now we all definitely know that he can play and we've seen what he can do on the weekend, um, but I'm sure if we bash him up, yeah, <laughs> we'll be able to get some out of him. Dill, you've got some uh, regrowth there, mate. Are you going to get touched up this week with the blondes or is you just going to let it grow out? Oh. 
probably give it two more weeks and I'll blonde up again and look all pretty, so. I love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the blondie's here to stay, eh? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Get a couple of the boys agree with it, a couple don't. Brad gave me the tech, actually, so I'm pretty pleased with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. Blonde suits you, but I, I think I wear blonde better. No offence. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what about, is it hard to imagine that this time last year uh, you were sidelined with a fractured back? Um, can you believe how far you've come? Oh, yeah, it's something that um, when it originally happened, they only said six weeks. Um, uh, it only said six weeks and it dragged on to being end up like 18 weeks or something. So just for me to be playing now with no dramas, knowing that each week I can go out there and do my best is probably the best feeling, yeah. Yeah, well, best of luck on Saturday night against the Manly Seagulls. That'll be, uh, I think Jamie's dubbed it the, the game of the round. So mm -hmm. best of luck. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Dylan Brown there for the Parramatta Eels. Uh, yeah, blonde hair. Apparently, I have judged myself. Parra <laughs> <laughs> win the comp. I'll do my hair blonde, like Dylan Brown. Why not? I'll grow it out and do it blonde like Dylan Brown. If Parra win the comp. Or blonde like Katie. Nah. No one knows. Or like Dylan. <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> oh my God. Are you going to dye your hair blonde if? Parra I've done it before many a time. I'm saying, are you going to dye your hair blonde if Parra? We'll do it win together. The comp? You reckon? No, we're in together. Go. We love each other. Oh my gosh, we've got that on. <laughs> what do I have to do? Do I have to dye my hair a colour? Nah. Just have to be yourself. Why can't I get in on this? It's always about you two. <laughs> anyway, all right. Time for the injury report brought to you by Go Healthy Vitamins. Oh, the Newcastle Knights are hopeful their skipper Mitchell Pearce will be back after suffering an HIA, but will have to pass the protocols. Scans have confirmed Connor Watson will be sidelined for four to six weeks with a syndesmosis injury. In Sharks camp, Chad Townsend, a 50-50 chance of backing up against the Cowboys this week after coming off with a hamstring injury. And Alex Glenn cannot catch a break. The skipper now ruled out for at least two weeks after getting a five-centimetre gash on that calf. Uh, there's injury clouds over a handful of other NRL players. Bulldogs have said that Kieran Foran is a chance. I believe that when I see it. And Raider John Bateman will have to finish some testing tomorrow. But I know Bulldogs fans will, of course, be very excited if Kieran does make his return. That's this week's injury report, all thanks to Go Healthy Vitamins. It's now time for Sweet or Sour, Jamie. Yeah, keeping it nice and sweet and healthy uh, and positive this week. I'm going with the referees. It's absolutely amazing what they did on the weekend to be able to adjust. You know, we talk about the players adjusting to the rule changes and everything like that. The referees were outstanding. They couldn't even tell that they were refing the game half the time, which is what you want to see. So well done to the referees, uh, everyone involved. Hopefully they enjoyed uh, the one referee and having more control and hopefully they continue to get better throughout the year. All right. Time for hit or miss. <laughs> I'm off today. Okay, fake crowd noise is a winner. Hit or miss? Michael, I'll go to you first. Yeah, hit. I enjoyed it. I yeah, I love the the collision, the noise, and the communication. Hearing all that, you know, things like Aaron Wood sledging Cameron Smith while he was kicking for goal. You miss a little bit of that, but I think the atmosphere is a lot better than what it was. And sitting there and enjoying, it, I think after a while it would have been a bit stale without a fake crowd noise. Yeah, definitely. We did it at 2GB, you know, the second week when there was no crowds. We did it there and, you know, everything was fine. So I love that kind of stuff. I think anything that adds to the viewing experience is always good for the fans. OK, nice. Fair. Uh, George Williams is the Raiders' missing piece to the Premiership puzzle. Hit or miss, Jamie? Hit. 
Absolutely outstanding on the weekend. Uh, it's just a, a pleasure to watch. You know, not too many times you see a halfback go down and dominate like he did on the weekend. I think the new rule changes will certainly help the Canberra Raiders and the way Hodgson and especially this man on screen will play. Um, yeah, I was critical of Aiden Caesar and his game management and kicking game and that last year, but they've got a real nice mix there with Whiten on the left-hand side, Williams on the right, and then Hodgson pulling all the strings in the middle. So the Raiders, for me, are the favourites to win it all. Yeah, hit for me. I, I think he is the missing link. I, I wonder how much, Jamie, though, is this is potentially other clubs not giving him the respect that he probably deserves and, and will get now because everyone's going to be on red alert, red alert for George Williams. If they didn't know he was a good player, they, they now know. So we'll see how he goes when he's, he's got a target on his back the next few weeks. I know you're more of an eye test man, but in that first half, he had two try assists, a line break and a line break assist. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, well, it was his first test. The first two weeks, mm. Titans and Warriors, no disrespect to them. You know, the Melbourne Storm was always going to be the biggest test. The way he played over the advantage line, strong defensively, he's the missing piece for the Canberra Raiders. Okay. Uh, next one, Wayne Bennett will keep Latrell Mitchell at fullback, hit or miss? Uh, he'll keep hit. He'll keep him there for another week. Oh, I just think he improved against the Roosters, and I was sat here last week and said we've got to give him time. I just don't know if he has enough time to develop quickly enough for South Sydney to make a, a run for this title. I, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Cody Walker potentially goes back into fullback because Troy Dargan was sensational for the for the Rabbitohs on the weekend. I wouldn't mind seeing Cody Walker at fullback, and there's no shame in Latrell moving back to the centres. We're not talking about dropping him in the reserve grade. He's the best centre in the game. Uh, if he goes back there and you and you find your right mix there, potentially with Cody Walker, South Sydney are a better football team. But he moved clubs to play fullback. Well, sometimes things don't work out, and yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about uh, fullback or centre or where he should play. I don't really care where he plays. I'm talking about his performance. It was uh, much better on the weekend from Luttrell. His competitiveness was there. And uh, I really like the way that he came into the, the line with the ball and attacking. So, sure, he's got some stuff to work on, but his pure performance, for me, was a tick. OK. Well, I like that you're being positive. That wasn't the question. That's my answer. It was, it was a statement. I think people are getting confused, Jamie, with criticising Luttrell and game analysis. There's a, there's a difference. If I have to hear another there. week about whether he plays centre or fullback, I'm going to walk off. Well, it's like, the biggest we talking just... point of South Sydney right now. Yeah, but can't we... There's bigger talking points about South Sydney. They need Their forwards need to get and try and match even so that their skill players can get on the front foot. But Everyone that won on the weekend, all right, won through their skill players off the back of their forward pack dominating. They got dominated on the weekend. They did. You can't they expect did. Reynolds and Dargan and Cook to come out and kill teams when they're on the back foot. You can't I'm talking also about Latrell's say, performance. Well, you can't say it's hands off Latrell and we can't talk about it because it's rugby league. I'm not saying, saying sitting here saying he's unfit, he shouldn't play first grade. We're analysing his game. He improved, yes. All I said was, will he improve enough for South Sydney in time for South Sydney to make a run at the at the competition. I have question marks about that. It doesn't mean he's a bad player. It just means he might need more time over another off-season. We go every week and we ask whether centre or fullback, whether Wayne... If Wayne wants to move him, Wayne will move him mid-game. Well, what are we doing here? Let's not talk about anything then. Let's talk about his performance. Was it we a, did. Was it a better performance? I said that. First thing I said. Right. That's it. That's the answer. <laughs> All I got out of that was a lot of Latrell Mitchell. You saying that he's got one more week at fullback and you saying if we talk about it for one more week, you're walking off. So this yes. should be a very interesting show next week. Let's move on to something more positive. Brett Morris is the best winger in the modern era hit or miss Jamie uh, not in the modern era of all time absolutely outstanding all time wow night. best winger of all time uh, scored over 150 tries defensively think back to that grand final last year the Raiders absolutely peppered the left-hand side and Brett Morris could have been Clive Churchill medalist uh, on the night this is an amazing play and yeah people will say you're biased you played with him that yeah that footage right there I'm not out there he's he's made that play I think he's the best winger of all time 
hit best winger of the modern era. They haven't been alive long enough to say if he's the best winger of all time, but I'll tell you what, the Roosters, it, that's a good point you raised. The grand final last year, with the, the, under the high ball, safe as, he, he was unbelievable for him last year, and again, he's continued those defensive plays. I thought they were gone five, six years ago, what he and Josh did in Origin. I thought that was behind them. They're playing as good as they were five years ago. Like, it's, it's phenomenal what he's been able to do. To be fair, at Canterbury, we thought they were done and dusted. No one wanted them. The Roosters picked him up for well, nothing. Well, you give some credit to Trent Robinson and Correct. his staff have been what they've been able to do, getting the older guys fresh and ready to go, and they're playing their best footy. Yeah, he's one of the underrated ones, isn't he? All right, uh, let's talk. Champ or Chump, NRL's beard game. That is this week's Champ or Chump. So Cameron Smith, we have noticed, uh, is the goat of beards that we've dubbed. He's also been dubbed the Wolverine, as you can see him on screen there. But there are a few more players who have decided to take on the beard role. Uh, there's another one, Jason Talmalolo. He doesn't have as much beard there. Yeah, I didn't like Jason's. You um, didn't? Cameron's okay. I can cop. What about Kurt Cable? Well, he looks completely different. It was very long, Kurt Cable. Hey! Zach Bailey. My man, Zach. He's, uh, you know what? It didn't suit him, but uh, he still, oh, still looks good. Matches, matches the eyebrows. I like the little... I like clean, I like clean face, Zach. No. I was going to say maybe he was the one who actually started the trend and Cameron Smith has copied NRL.com's finest. Yeah, I don't think so. I like... Zach with no beards, yeah. Very well, you've managed to accumulate some facial hair as well. I'm very champing or chumping Jamie with the facial hair. My wife will tell you, a champ. She's she's <laughs> she she loves it. Okay. <laughs> okay, nice. Good call, Maddie. What are, are we champing or chumping? Ah, uh, champ. I love yeah. a beard. I'm all yeah. for a beard. Champ. Why not? I'm I'm champing half and chumping okay. half. Yeah. Whoa. What? That's allowed. Okay. It's fine. That's it. Anything else you want to bring up before we wrap things up, gents? I think we'll close it at that, Katie. <laughs> I think it's been a pleasure. Might. Tomorrow, 3.55, NRL Teams is back. Zach Bailey, without a beard, will be hosting that one alongside Robbie Farah and Brett Kamali. Uh, and then also today, the Beanies for Brain Cancer uh, round is coming up in round six. So make sure you purchase your beanie because they're on sale today at IGR. IGA stores and Lowe's stores. So all the participating ones there, make sure you grab yourself a Benny. We'll be wearing them next week, gents. Yep. Looking forward to it. We'll leave you with that. Have a good one. Once upon a time, there lived a brave knight whose quest it was to defeat the evil brain cancer. But alas, he could not do this alone. Then, one day, he came upon some beanies. There was magic in these beanies. They brought people together from across the land to buy a beanie, wear a beanie, and host Beanie Days, so the Shining Knight could continue the fun research that one day would smite the evil brain cancer, and they could all live happily ever after.